praise God. Let's pray before we get into God's Word. God, you are near by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, you are in us and all around us. God, we just pray that you open our hearts and our eyes. May every one of us leave here with a clearer picture of you and your work in our lives. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody says... Amen. It's so great to see you all here this morning. Hey, by the way, on your way out, uh, you see uh, that table, the missions table. Stop and say hi to Kathy out there. She, Life Church is doing a lot to forward the mission of Jesus Christ, and uh, she leads that team. And there's probably a place you could help. So just stop and ask her what's happening. Hey, we've been going through the Gospel of John, and we're Uh, in chapters 16 now, and from chapter 13 to 17, those five chapters are are termed the farewell discourse because Jesus is saying goodbye. Picture the scene. They're at the Last Supper, so they're all sitting around this table. Judas has already left to betray Jesus, so he's talking to these 11 faithful disciples, and uh, this is quite a long discourse, uh, and The one thing that he, well, obviously the reason is called the farewell discourse. The the main point he's telling them is he's leaving. And that's the one thing that the disciples were clear on, that Jesus was headed into Jerusalem to die. They didn't quite understand the purpose, the fact that that his primary mission on earth was to bear the punishment of our sins and the sins of the world. Uh, That was not very clear to them. And in fact, no matter how many times Jesus told them, he was going to be resurrected. They were utterly blind to that. They had a hard time comprehending he was even going to die, much less even think about what resurrection might mean. They knew one thing. They knew he was leaving. And to say they were sad is an understatement. They were overwhelmed with grief. And Jesus acknowledges that in this discourse. I mean, I'm talking about having a hard time getting your head off the pillow type of grief. Anybody ever feel that kind of grief before? Yeah, they're just overwhelmed with it. And Jesus is endeavoring to comfort them by telling them about the future. He said it's actually going to be a better future. They're having a hard time believing that. But back in chapter 14, which Matt did such a great job of last week, uh, Jesus starts telling them about the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that's going to be the dominator of the future. And Jesus says this is good news. He And he's telling them. Let me just read you one sentence out of uh, Matthew 4, or Matthew, John 14, where Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Now, when Jesus says, I will come to you, he's referring to the Holy Spirit. He says, we're one. We're the same. All this, all that you're worried about losing, you're not going to lose because the Holy Spirit and I are one, and it's going to be like I am coming to you. Jesus is saying that after his resurrection, the Spirit of God would reside inside them, and the Holy Spirit would be doing for them exactly what he had been doing, drawing them into God's kingdom, making God real, wrapping them up in that blanket of God's love. That's what they were concerned with losing. Now, listen to his words again to these 12, well, 11 rather strong men. These are men who ultimately gave their life for Christ. So these were some, these were some doers, right? And he tells them, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I mean, that almost to, ladies, maybe that sounds normal to you, but to, to men, that's kind of almost insulting. Like, really? I'm so weak, I'm so needy that you, feel, you think I feel like an orphan? Um, actually, that's exactly 
what they were feeling like, and Jesus was just acknowledging that. I think you're getting the clearest picture when he said that of his relationship with these men. I mean, they weren't sad and grieving because they weren't going to see any miracles anymore. They were grieved because they had been with God in a human form for three years, and God is love. And they had seen and been through a lot of things, but one thing for sure, they had been wrapped in the love of God. Jesus had loved them like no one ever had. And yeah, with him leaving, they were beginning to feel like we're going to be orphans. They feel like the bottom is falling out. Last week, just last week, I listened to a person who described a, a much earlier time in their life, but they had lost both parents when they were young. And they described a time of feeling that so, of just feeling so lost and alone that they were experiencing panic attacks. And it didn't make sense to them because they'd been adopted into a loving family. And yet they had an insecurity that only God could fill. And Jesus is saying, that's what I understand, guys. That's what you're, that's what you're feeling like. You're feeling like you're going to be orphaned without me, but you're not going to be without me. And that brings us now to John 16, where uh, we're at. And I'm only going to just share two verses with you. And hopefully, that doesn't mean it's short. It just means it's a few verses. I, actually, I'm going to try to be a little bit shorter today so we can get... To, does anybody know that people are getting baptized today? Do you guys know that? that? Well, in John 16, if you can go to this, uh, Jesus, again, is still talking about the Holy Spirit. And he's acknowledging their grief. You grieve... Because of what I've told you. Again, I just try to get in their shoes for a minute. Uh, I'm sure you've had some great, you ever gone to summer camp or something like that where you're just like, oh man, this is awesome. Well, they've been, they've been to camp with Jesus for three years. But in fact, he says, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. He's referring to the Holy Spirit. That's a one of the titles. The advocate won't come, but if I do go away, I will send him to you. Notice Jesus says it's best. Some translations say better. It's going to be better for you. Really? Really? Could you, I mean, put yourself in their shoes. Like, I mean, Jesus is sitting there physically and he's telling them, no, 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 guys, the Holy Spirit is going to be better. I'm sure they had a real, I mean, he's there physically how could the Holy Spirit, no matter how awesome he is, be better? Because, well, he's not physical, right? So how could he be better? Well, first of all, I think we probably grossly overestimate the disciples' experience. Uh, yes, they encountered a loving Jesus, but that hadn't changed their hearts to loving. Has anybody read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? I mean, pretty much every story is some foible of these disciples, I mean, they were arguing with each other, they were selfish, they were angry. There was one time when two of the disciples wanted to call down fire on a city. I mean, they were, what's the point? They experienced awesome externally, and no doubt on occasion it hit their emotions, but they hadn't been changed internally. They experienced love from Jesus, but their hearts had not been changed they did not have God on the inside of them. And again, we underestimate that. We just think, well, you know, Jesus was right there, so everything is always... Well, the story itself kind of proves the point. Here Jesus is telling them about a better future, and they're full of grief. He's right there physically, 
And Jesus says, it's going to be better for you. Now, I can only speak for myself. I do believe that having God the Holy Spirit inside of me would be better than having God the Son sitting physically outside of me. I I think I'm pretty normal in the Christian faith, but I have had months and years where the presence of God was so real, it just carried me. I know what it is to have God's love and peace. Anybody else felt that warm blanket of God's love in your own life? And I got to be honest, I have a hard time believing that Jesus was any more real to Peter than he is to me. I mean, you can only get to 100%. I know the coach says, go out there and give 110%. There's always that one math guy sitting there. "Uh, Actually, coach, that's impossible. Um, (laughs) 100% is it. And Jesus is saying that's what the Holy Spirit would be doing. In fact, back in chapter 14, two different times, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would create sight. Jesus says, you will see me. He said, the world won't see me, but you will see me. And he's not talking about his physical resurrection. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's saying the Holy Spirit produces this magic thing that we call faith. We say that word, say faith. Faith is not something human that comes from you and draws up. Faith is a gift. And when the Holy Spirit gives you that gift, it creates sight, spiritual sight. And that spiritual sight can be every bit as profound and, according to Jesus, even better than physical sight. Yes, spiritual sight can bring you to a place of 100% certainty that what you are experiencing is absolutely real. I'm 100%. Anybody else? I mean, this, this, this isn't some wild, weird. Maybe if you have never had faith in Jesus, this kind of seems weird. You're like, what are you guys worshiping? I mean, gosh, that guy up here singing seemed pretty enthused about something. I mean, what is going on? I mean, aren't you guys getting a, going a little bit overboard here? Well, I, I bet if physically Jesus were here, you'd be, oh, okay, you know, that makes sense. But it's hard to comprehend that the Spirit, according to Jesus, would do a better job of making God real to us. Making God, making... Yes, you can see Him. You feel Him. Not physically, but Jesus said that that faith, faith is not... You know why we question our faith again and again? We question our faith, not because we're questioning Him. I, I can't count how many times I've quizzed people on this who say their faith is weak. I ask him, so are you, how how positive are you that Jesus Christ is resurrected and he's alive? Oh, 100%. I know that, but it's my faith. What did you just say? So you're taking the work of the Holy Spirit. He has produced a faith in you. How how in the world are you 100% positive that a man who lived 2,000 years ago is alive and active? Well, 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 because that's obvious. I mean, nobody doubts that, but, but, but it's, what are you doing? You're, you're discounting the ministry of the Holy Spirit and you keep looking at yourself and you keep looking at your weakness and you keep looking at your struggle and you base faith on how you feel rather than looking at Him. When the Holy Spirit has produced 100% faith, you just take that next step. Whatever He's asking you to do, just take that next step. Which, by the way, we have some people being baptized who've signed up and they came prepared. Maybe you didn't come prepared, but I'm holding this because... Uh, out there, if you're here and the Holy Spirit has produced faith in you and you've never been baptized, we're ready for you. Inside this out there, there's somebody out there ready to greet you is uh, 
I, I'm not sure what is in here. There's, oh my gosh, there's Christmas presents. There's <laughs> a virtual cornucopia. No, it's uh, everything that you would need. A towel, shorts. I, I, I didn't put it together. Whoever did put it together, they, they thought through it better than I would. And it's everything you could potentially need, even, even for, for, for women. You will look better after <laughs> baptism. <laughs> with this magic kit. It's that awesome. Somehow, it's, it's a makeover in a red bag. <laughs> All right. But why, why do I say that? Because if Jesus is 100% real to you, and you're questioning your faith, because I've heard people say this, well, yeah, I will do that as soon... Brian, I'll do that as soon as my faith is in a better place. Your faith isn't in a better place until you obey. The next step after Jesus has God or the Holy Spirit has made Jesus real to you is obedience. You don't think, "Oh, I'm just going to keep climbing the ladder of faith and then I'll." Obey. It doesn't work that way. The next step is obedience. You do things that you're uncomfortable with. And you're probably uncomfortable. Any of these, are you people uncomfortable? You're just all just, you're just, you're ready to get in the tank right now, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, those, those steps can be. By the way, Jesus said, go back to John 16. Go put that verse up there. He says, if I don't go away, the advocate, that word advocate, different translations say different word. It's a hard word to bring into English. The Amplified Translation uses seven different words, but the two primary meanings, an advocate catches it pretty well, is that the Holy Spirit would be a comforter and a counselor. Will you say those two words? Say comforter and counselor. Comforter refers to the ministry of the Holy Spirit that's making God real to you, making heaven real to you, and you just can't deny it. That's the comfort. The counsel is the fact that he wants you to move forward, more of a coach. Anybody recognize that we are moving forward? You're being hurtled into the future whether you like it or not. And for most people, that's a scary thing. But with a coach, the coach, the Holy Spirit is saying, yeah, there's, there's some stuff coming. There's life coming. Your kids are coming. <laughs> Whatever. Just life is coming. But the Holy Spirit has a way of, yes, showing you the future, even things that would have been scary to you through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Like, okay, we can do this. We can do this. If you go back, just go to that next Slide with see the comforter is the one that lifts us up, and his 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 ministry of the Holy the Holy Spirit is both. He's the comforter, and the counselor is the one that pushes us into the future. He counsels us. He talks to us. Has has anybody ever been coached internally on something that you're doing that you never felt was wrong, but all of a sudden you realize now this is this is wrong. I got to quit doing this. Well, who brought that to you? That's the counseling ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's what he does. And the reason, if we're not feeling like, hey man, it's better. Life is better with the Holy Spirit than with Jesus. is because when we first get saved, we start walking with him. And man, it seems awesome. But then when the counselor asks you to do something and you disregard that, well, then you lose the comfort. In fact, I put a little line on here representing, I, I think, our lives of faith. That when you first get saved, I mean, man, you're up, you're just, 
You remember that when Jesus first became real to you? You're like, oh, 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 oh. It's just like, oh, man, this is heaven on earth. This is awesome. And then the counselor asks you, all of a sudden you become, maybe you hear a sermon, and, and not every sermon hits you this way, but sometimes the Holy Spirit hits you with, and with it, and, and you realize, oh, my goodness, I'm not supposed to have sex until I'm married. And you get some sort of direction like that or, or something in your life that the counselor all of a sudden says, hey, now we need to buckle down on this. And we're like, ah, ah, and, the, and the roller coaster all of a sudden now is going down. No, I can't do it. But what happens? Because we lose that comfort. We lose that. We start feeling like orphans. And, and what is it that produces obedience? I would love to say that our obedience in the Christian faith, has been produced because we are so faithful. We just love God so much that we just tear into every new act of obedience just out of desire for God. But it's not true. Most of our obedience comes after, and we just realize, and we start losing that comfort. We start losing that, that grace. We start losing the reality and we realize he's better. God, that's what David said. Your love is better than life. Anybody recognize that God's love is better than life? That life apart from, the God, from God's love can be miserable? Anybody ever experienced that? You guys never been miserable, huh? <laughs> yeah. So then we go down and then, and then oh, we get it. You know, we're like, we're back on, you know, full obedience. We're like, okay, all right. Ethel, you got to move out. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're up and to the right again, and then, the, and then the Holy Spirit asks us to share our faith with our co-worker. We're like, oh my God, tell somebody about what God has done. And again, these things seem scary, so we're actually losing ground now. We're not going to, we're, we're, we're coming back down we're, because we don't want to do what he's asking us to do. These last two lines represent the, or the, the one that we go in phases, I've noticed. The counselor wants you to do. I mean, it's, this, is the Holy, this is the same Holy Spirit, but when you're listening to his counsel, you're, you're wanting to do. And we've all done this. That line that's going this way represents a, a phase in your Christian life where you decide, well, it's all about the doing. Okay, you finally obeyed God to share your faith, and now you flip into a mode where it's just, I'm going to be the doer. And you're sharing your faith. You're whatever. I mean, you're serving on four dream teams, going to three life groups. You are the doer, right? And it's all about doing. Usually we crash after a while. And we realize, and then we go in this other, the line going up this way. It's like, okay, no, it's all about God. I just want to sit and soak in the presence of Jesus. Just... Yeah, you call up the children. I, I got. I can't serve. <laughs> I just got to soak in Jesus for a while. I hope you're tracking with me. But these things—they're supposed to work together. And it really is better when you when you just realize I'm. Gang, just figure this out. The Holy Spirit is going to continue as long as you're on planet Earth to ask you things that seem challenging to you. He's going to continue to challenge you. He's going to do it. Some of you are sitting here right now realizing, I've had faith in Jesus for 20 years, and I've never been baptized. Right now, he's counseling you to go get a red bag. And we are professionals. 
at fighting the Holy Spirit. Do you know Scripture actually tells us in Ephesians, do not grieve the Spirit of God by which you were sealed. Now, you're sealed, man. Once he's real, I'm not saying you're going to lose, but you will lose the joy. You will lose the comfort. I, all of those things you're scared of, it's all, anybody discover it's always better on the other side? It's always better. By the way, this last line that's just completely up and to the right, that's when you came to Life Church and joined Life Church. And <laughs> started listening to Pastor Brian. If you're visiting, I mean, that's just the way it is around here. So. <laughs> Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? And I just want to pray for you and with you. And friends, again, if you're 100% certain that Jesus is alive, quit just examining your own life and saying, oh, I have weak faith because I'm weak. If you keep doing that, you're going to keep discrediting what Jesus said would be better. Don't discredit him. Obey him. Just yes. Yes, Lord. By the way, he's saying the same thing your Bible's saying, but he'll make it personal. What is he saying to you? I promise you, most everybody in here, there's something. He's asking somebody to forgive and you're not going to enjoy that amazing grace until you just let it go. He's asking others some, some act of obedience. Again, somebody's being pushed to get baptized. Whatever that, don't let fear hold you back from amazing grace. God of heaven, thank you. Jesus, thank you for the Holy Spirit, whom you said would be better. Help us to follow completely. And just to say yes, whatever you're asking, Lord, our answer is yes. Can we say that? Just say yes. Yes. Lord, yes. Our answer to you is yes.